I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Wednesday. The Jazz storm back and take the game. What about the ATS result against the Clippers? It depends on when you bet it, but the Jazz bettors were very unlucky. 76ers last night dominate, but here's the question. 76ers up big late, Embiid still in the game? Injured? What's going on there? We'll get into it. Deshaun Watson wants to play with Denver. Well, I wanted to take Ali Sheedy to my senior prom. That didn't work out. But you know what? The odds say Deshaun Watson has about the same chance as I do. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a Wednesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. Yes, the Breakfast Club. I like Dolly Sheedy. I can't lie. I wonder if Jonas did. I'm thinking no. I'm th- I think he was a Molly <laughs> Ringwald fan. I'm the pro. He's the Joan L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a couple of games to look back on in the NBA playoffs and one pivotal game, too, for one team coming up later on. What is the Vegas lead here on this Wednesday? Oh, you think you're getting out of this question, Jonas? Molly Ringwald or Ali Sheedy? Which one was your kind of gal? <laughs> I mean, depends on the day. Oh. I, I mean, <laughs> or the know. night. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a good point. But, uh, yeah, that's one of the all-time classic movies. <laughs> what a great movie. All right, Vegas lead. We're going to start with the Clippers and Jazz. One, because, obviously, we're down to the last couple of, well, I guess, last eight teams, and these are big games. But I think this is a great lesson in how you win at sports betting and, and, quite frankly, how you lose. And it's about getting the right number. And this game, the ATS result, is came down to what number you bet at. And uh, we, it is the L.A. Clippers coming off that Game 7 win on Sunday. RJ fired up to go to Utah, built an early lead over the number one seed Jazz, but it was Utah and Donovan Mitchell coming back to take the lead and take the lead permanently. 112-109 the final. The Clips had an opportunity to tie the game late on a three. Shot was blocked in the corner, so Utah has a one nothing series lead. Yeah, so with five minutes, so Clippers had an early advantage. With five minutes left in the game, the Clippers were down 10. Jazz up 10. Now, what was the spread in the game? Between three and four. Utah favored. It opened up around four. And then with injury situations for the Jazz, it was bet down, closed at three. So the final would have been a push. We gave it out, actually, as a pizza bet at three. So that baby pushed. If you bet it earlier with the Clippers, you would have won at plus three and a half, plus four. Thus, it's not only what you bet, it's when you bet, and it's where you bet. Now, what does it mean when and where? Well, when is the line comes out, and then from then till the tip-off, 
the start of the game, you can bet anytime you want. That's an advantage the bookie gives you. The bookie actually gives you cockroaches and all. They give you a lot of advantages. They get the ultimate advantage, which is the VIG, the minus 110. That advantage is humongous, bigger than people realize. That's why there's a lot of dumb bookies with Cadillacs. And you just <laughs> you just can't – if you meet enough bookies, you're going to realize these people aren't all that smart. Typically, there's some smart ones, but typically, how do they have so much money? It's that whoever invented the minus 110, that was the genius. But they do give you the advantage. Bet early, bet late. Bet a lot, bet a little. And also, there's the idea of where you bet. It could be at Sportsbook XYZ or Sportsbook ABC. And oftentimes, they have different odds. And a lot of bettors will shrug and laugh and scoff and say, oh, three, three and a half, what's the difference? Well, those guys don't last very often. Now, as we get away from you know the public service announcement, which is important about how important it is to get the right number... I'm going to propose the following to you about the game itself, Jonas, that there was a lot of advantages the Jazz had. They were much better rested. It was literally the Clippers off of a physically tiring series, an emotionally tiring series, to turn it around in 48 hours, to play at altitude. For the Clippers to be this close, I'm not sure if it doesn't bode well for the Clippers. Now, obviously, the mathematics is... There's a win in the Jazz column, and now if you're the Clippers, you got to win four out of six. So that becomes mathematically more difficult. But I think it's fair to say a reevaluation of the relative quality of these teams after game one would be advantage Clippers. What do you think? Yeah, although I, I do think it was a, a really great opportunity for them with Utah coming out flat like that to to take advantage and, and get home court advantage. But as we've talked about, uh, the, the Clippers are so hard to figure out that maybe they're the team that, you know, you see them not take advantage of a game one lead or being in contention like the Miami Heat did against Milwaukee and they melted down afterwards, maybe the Clippers are going to be the opposite of that like they generally are. Hmm, That's interesting. Now, I think when you have a team which is clearly inferior and if they have a chance in game one, it's almost like that's the lucky win you need to be competitive. Yeah. And I think in hindsight, that was the case with Miami, that Milwaukee was just the better team. I don't I think it's going to be hard to say Utah is the inferior or I'm sorry that Utah is significantly better than the Clippers. I think the debate is going to be between oh the Clippers are a little overrated and the Jazz are a little underrated so the Jazz are a smidge better. I think the most anyone thinks is the Jazz are a smidge better all things equal. And I think on the other end of the spectrum there's some people it's going to say the Clippers are clearly better. You know why? Because one they hardly tried this year. Two, they weren't that far back from the Jazz, meaning if you actually looked at it before the Clippers started to fade, uh, let's call it tank, at the end of the last couple games, yeah, it, it was very comp- – I mean, the Jazz were up like three or four games on the Clippers. And you might say, hey, that's three or four games. But then you add in that the Jazz had one of the healthiest runs, not – I don't think any COVID real issues, but the, if anything, it was small. And a lot of people believe the regular season this year is uh, very fraudulent. Now, I don't know about fraud, deceiving. And here's why, that the luck of just how many people were out from COVID and for how long and the other injuries associated with the 
condensed year played such a big role that if you would just go through and reevaluate every team based upon the injuries, that a lot of these differences, the idea that Utah is better and Phoenix is better with their record, they just aren't true. And the fact, and again, these are the beliefs of, I'm not sure where I fall on this, to be candid. I'm, I'm probably in the middle, but if you really look at it, that whenever these teams with the better record that got lucky health-wise play the teams with the lesser records that are considered the better team, the odds really speak to the the Clippers being better than they seem because otherwise, why would Utah be a minus, what was it, minus 130, McKenzie, at close for the series? Before Uh, yesterday's game, yeah. Yeah, before at the close, before yesterday's game. So think about that, Jonas. With all the things that say Utah is better this season, the series odds entering game one said that the Clippers were the slightly better team. And you know what? Anyone could have bet the Jazz for a lot of money, and the odds were moving towards the Clippers in the series. It strikes me the betting market believed entering game one the Clippers were the better team. I'm not so sure that game one would cause me to reevaluate that. Uh, McKenzie, what's your thoughts on that? I completely agree with you. When you look at the second half, the biggest difference was Donovan Mitchell seemed to have a full tank of gas while the Clippers were running on empty. It looked like they were in sand while he was just running around them. I don't see that being the case games two through seven. If yeah, you seven. Know, I think that's Mackenzie Rivers, pregame.com. We are straight out of Vegas. Now, that brings up a good point, Jonas, and I'll let you close this, you know, this subtopic on this is if fatigue is the issue, doesn't fatigue show in the second half? Yeah, and if we look, uh, the halftime margin in this McKenzie was what? Clippers were up by thirteen. Yeah, so I'm not saying that's exactly the only point, but if if, if fatigue's the issue, and before you're tired, you're up by thirteen. I'm not sure how this is a uh, a re. Obviously, it's a victory, and ultimately, like as a Steelers fan. I can say, you know, we lost that Super Bowl to Green Bay, but Mendenhall fumbled, and if it wasn't for that fumble and Big Ben's pick six the other way, and you know what? I actually believe that, and you know what? It doesn't matter because it's over. So to some degree, the thing about the NBA playoffs is you got two considerations as the games uh, go from game one to two to three and the series progresses. One is what's the math of it because you're racing to four. The other is what are we learning about these teams? I would make the case that the math it inevitably is advantage Utah because they're now up one nothing. There's no debating that. But when it comes to what we think of these teams, I'm not so sure that the Clippers don't get a little bit of an uptick because of what happened last night. Closing thoughts. I wonder how much the home court advantage that Utah has. They were by far and away the best home team in, in the NBA. I wonder – if it was the Clippers who had home court advantage, what the difference in the series price would have been? Because well, the fact that Utah is the best uh, home team in the NBA and still just a slight favorite, as you pointed out, going into the series uh, with home court advantage, I wonder how much better on you know either just a neutral floor or if the Clippers had mm-hmm. home court that, that, that the price would be and how much better Vegas thinks the Clippers actually are. Okay, so here's what we'll do is let's st- – because this is a nuanced question, so I'm going to keep it high level. In, in a regular season uh, or typical season's playoffs, so not a COVID year, if teams are even, the home team in the series is right around minus 160 
minus 160. So if one team is home, they're minus 160. If somehow it got flipped and the other team was home, they'd be minus 160. Gotcha. Now, in this season, home court means less. So we've evaluated it to be about minus 140. Now, so in theory, Utah would be minus 140 if they were home. Clippers would be minus 140 if they were home. It actually is a little bit more complicated because the the Jazz do have a superior home court. And on the other side, the Clippers have one of the worst home courts. So, and, and, and what we're just seeing in L.A. with the restrictions and stuff, you know, not to be political about it, just the reality on the court is the Jazz fans sound a lot louder than the Clippers fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, if anything, you could make the case it's advantage Clippers because their disadvantage is smaller. That because the crowds aren't at full capacity, the Clippers don't have as big a disadvantage not having home court as they would otherwise. So, it's complicated, but what we know for sure is that the Jazz, after the mathematics of winning this, are now minus 200 favors, which means about 65% chance the Utah Jazz will dispatch the Clippers, 35% or so with the Clippers. But what we need to consider is entering game two, do we reevaluate how good the Clippers are relative to the Jazz? So let's take a quick gander at the game two line. You know, Mackenzie, I'm looking at my notes. I don't see that. Where are we at with game two right now? The Jazz are three-point favorites for game two on Thursday. Okay, so now consider this. this the, I think this is very interesting because if the game closed at three, game one, which it did, you would expect that line to be lower in game two. The zigzag is, hey, the Clippers are ultra-motivated. Maybe Utah is going to be a little bit flat. It's the whole zigzag that we talk about all playoffs. That would have, I would have guessed two or two and a half Jazz favored. The fact it's three, huh? What's the injury situation with Utah? The, uh, what's the projection right there, McKenzie? Mike Conley is still no update. He's still so questionable. Conley like being the key. So I would have suspected that Conley would have went to probable, and then it would have made sense the line didn't drop. This tells me the market is not thinking the way I am. The, I'm thinking the Clippers have a much better chance in game two than game one. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Jones. As a, as a really sharp fan, if I said to you, you can have the Clippers in game one or two before the series started, you would have said game two, right? Oh, 100%. That's why I'm surprised that the series price shot up the way that it did because I don't know anybody that thought the Clippers coming off that seven-game series with just a day of rest were going to go in there and, and win that game. In fact, the Clippers are being celebrated for losing. Keeping it close. Almost. Yeah, and, and just, just keeping it close and, and having a lead at that point. So to see that it's now here in game two and the series price is where it's at and the line hasn't really moved to, the, to game two – it's kind of kind of puzzling. Well, if anything, it's done more than not moved. It's resisted the zigzag. Yeah. Right. Which is saying that the natural gravity was would be pulling it down. It's being held up. The only reason it would get held up is if you said we think Utah's better than we thought because of Game One, which makes no sense. Or it's because some player that didn't play in Game One is going to play in Game Two for Utah, and we don't see any official indication of that. So what I'm going to say is this: I'm leaning very strongly to looking at the Clippers in Game Two. What I'm going to want to do is dig in, and maybe even by the end of the show we'll have it. Is is there has there been a Connolly change that isn't being reported in the official status that a, a beat writer says oh it looks like Conley's going to go in game two then I understand because Conley moved the line about a point 
So he's more valuable than people think, or some people think. So this now we're on the case. Like if we were, uh, <laughs> if we were like a TV private eye show, we'd have like the music going about now he's starting his research. We're on the case. We'll give you what we conclude, and at least a minimum. By the end of the show, last segment, before 6.50 Eastern, we'll tell you where we're at currently. But I got a feeling we might have a pick on this one. So let's do this. Let's take a break. We've now recapped the Jazz's win and the complexities of it, quite frankly. When we come back, the 76ers. Very impressive. Almost a must-win in Game 2, and they won. And Bead was on the floor up by double digits with less than two minutes. What is going on? He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments from now, we will take a closer look at game two between the Sixers and the Hawks. You know, I I do this every once in a while, Jonas, is when I'm particularly hyped up, right on air, I'll open up. Oh, I have a full sugar Mountain Dew today, which is really troublesome. (laughs) Uh, Let's just say this. It's going to be high energy from here. It's a great day to join. And we're going to be getting into this Embiid situation the guy is fragile, injury prone. I don't think there's any debate about that. But somehow, some way, up double digits late in the game last night, game decided, and Bede is still on the floor with a gimpy knee. I don't get it, but we're going to get into it. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. The audience has doubled in the last year plus, and that's because of you, your support. And we're going to keep working extra hard to return the appreciation and the love. You can listen to us on 225 stations coast to coast. Now, you might say, I don't know exactly what station to listen on. Go to foxsportsradio.com, and right there you can see the station in your area, and right there you can listen to streaming all the FSR shows. Here on the Strip in Vegas, 94 degrees, and the neon is flowing. So, RJ, the Philadelphia 76ers found themselves in pretty much a must-win spot last night at home in Game 2, and they got it done behind 40 points from Joel Embiid. 118-102 the final. The Sixers and Hawks tied at one game apiece. So let me ask you, Jones, because you're the consummate pro when it comes to setups, but do you think, considering that the, the Clippers just came back from an 0-2 at home deficit, that we should reevaluate the must-win element? Yeah, but it adds to the drama. Yeah, you know? okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Typically a must-win. <laughs> because actually, it's funny, you would think if you lose the first two at home, it's so much harder to come back. But statistically, those teams come back more than if you lose the first two on the road because obviously the teams that lose the first two on the road are oftentimes just clearly inferior to the other team. Whereas if the home team loses the first two, the theory is they're still the better team. But, but it's kind of a fascinating concept. I think the Sixers... I really, I'm not sure how to really understand what they're doing with Embiid. I'm going to start by just admitting I don't know. And let me ask you, Jonas, and I don't think you necessarily uh, are supposed to know or anyone's supposed to know. So I'm not, you know, if you don't know, join the club. Why would they have Embiid on the floor when the game's decided when he has a bad knee? I have no idea. I have I mean, no idea. Nothing makes sense to you. You haven't read it, anything that, that explaining, oh, once he's out there, 
you know, it's good for him. It's a torn meniscus, right? I mean, so how do, how does more pounding on that knee help? The only thing I can think of, and I, and I don't even think this would be possible. The only thing I can think of is that maybe Joel Embiid wants to be out there to show that he's that he's good. That uh, listen, I leave me out there, I'm fine. Uh, don't worry about it. But if that's the case, then yeah. it seems like Doc Rivers should step up and and save him from himself before you do damage in a game that the Hawks weren't going to come back and win. You know, I think it was Rocky too when Rocky had the detached retina and. <laughs> He didn't want to take hits in, the, in that eye that he said, Mick, let's put a brick and keep hitting my eye and see and show everyone that it's OK. <laughs> Even Rocky didn't say that. Right? So I, That didn't happen. So now the question is what you just said really would be that that, yes, and be and, and the doctors understand that every minute he's on the courts, a danger. But he wants to show he can somehow overcome that danger by having more danger. That would be the worst possible answer from a, if Embiid was if he was saying that it'd be the worst possible reason, I think, right. is the way to say it. McKenzie, you got any sense of this? Well, I was just looking with about one minute before he came out. He hit a shot and he got 40 points with that shot. That's always been a cool, you know. Mark to get 40 is a lot better than 38. Well, there's the, I wonder se- if that there's was the second mind. worst possible answer, <laughs> which actually reminded me of something. I was watching. Uh, undisputed on FS1 on YouTube, right? Sometimes I'll look at the segments and they were talking about LeBron's injured ankle and how when he got hurt originally, no one really knew how long it would be. The people understood a high ankle sprain is a, a big problem. But remember when LeBron went back into the game after the injury and hit a three and then he said, oh, you know, actually it's, it is hurt more than I thought. I got to sit down. Yeah. And, and then it came out later that he had had like, I don't know, 10 years worth of 10 plus or more point games, double digits, and he had seven and in that game. So he hit the three to get the double digits and came out. And I went crazy the next day and said, that's the most selfish thing I've ever seen. I forgot to close the loop on it, so let me do it now. you got to wonder if the Lakers would still be in the playoffs. <laughs> if LeBron – do we really know how that hurt his – because like, let's be candid. By the time we got to the playoffs, by most accounts, his injury should have been healed. Like, it's one thing to be early with it, but he was starting to be late. That, that he was behind the typical timeline of a high ankle sprain. Do we really know it wasn't that, Jonas, that caused it, him going back for his selfish shot? Yeah, I don't. I haven't heard. We have no idea. That, that, well, that that kind of gets. Uh, they, they've done a good job of burying that story and just sort of, uh, you know, focusing on other things. But well, yeah, it is. He, I've, I've felt especially later in his career because the big thing with him is, well, he doesn't care about scoring. He wants to make all his teammates better. I, I have felt that later in his career, he absolutely does care about scoring. I think he wants the scoring title, and I think that's also part of the reason why he's the guy taking, uh, taking free throws if there's a technical. And he's got no business taking free throws. Well, yeah, when well, you not, shoot 70% from the line, <laughs> it's like not than... even not even close to being their best free throw shooter. Yet he's the guy who's always taking the foul shots. I just well, well listen. When the pressure, the, the rationale has to be well. The analytics might not show this, but when the highest pressure is on, LeBron's going to be able to make it. Yeah. Thus, the, yeah. you know. But listen, LeBron's great. And you know what? He's also a me, me, me guy. And, and anyone that can debate that. And you know what? Maybe it goes together. Meaning maybe you can't be maniacally as great as a MJ without being a me guy. Because if you really were a team guy, 
you, it'd be hard to differentiate yourself as much as these great players do. There, it, it's weird because we sit in this society and judge a lot. It's easy. It's a, it's a spectator sport, judging. And I think sometimes things that we love are un, you can't separate them from things that we don't. The guy who invents the light bulb probably didn't go play catch with his son all that much, right? And, I mean, uh, I really believe that we want people to produce something that only an obsessed nut could produce, but then on the weekend be at the ball game. And they don't go together. MJ, the kind of guy that still took things personally from 25 years ago, the kind of guy that we got so critical of as a society from his Hall of Fame speech that he still held grudges, well, maybe that goes hand in hand. And in a way, I'm excusing LeBron by saying maybe his, you know, uh, almost pathological self-interest is, you know, his almost pathological me, me, me yeah. is what is required to be a guy who spends millions of dollars on his body and how he wants to play for so long. And he wants to play with his son, supposedly all those things seem to go together to me. And if we try to judge people from fantasy land, then no real person is ever going to sound good. And we can sit here and say, well, you know, that sounds kind of like uh, women who will say, let's not judge beauty by what's on Instagram or what's in Playboy back in the day. And you know what? They're right. Because if, the, if, if guys are growing up thinking about beauty that's airbrushed, then how is any normal person going to ever look beautiful to them or at least compare? I think they're right. But doesn't it also apply if we're going to say, let's act like everyone's supposed to be everything all at once, even if they're inversely related, that one thing would actually cause it to be less of the other. We're going to judge Jordan. We're going to judge every. So what I'm going to say is LeBron is selfish. You know what? <laughs> Maybe that's why LeBron is great. I, I'm, going to, I'm not going to fall into that <laughs> trap, even though I don't like LeBron. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Okay. Was there anything about Atlanta that causes us concern? Because if you lose a game by blowout, you could say, oh, the truth exerted itself. I don't know. It feels like Atlanta played a fine – you know, there was nothing about Atlanta's game that made me concerned about Atlanta. Uh, Jonas, what about you? No, I'm not concerned at all. In fact, I think this is going to be a really fun series the rest of the way because I, I think there's something that's happening with Trey Young that's really interesting. He for, And he's not known as a guy who's abrasive or says things publicly to, to get under people's skin. But whatever the Knicks fans at Madison Square Garden did to sort of light a fire and get this momentum towards everybody booing Trey Young like Trey Young when he's getting the ball is getting booed every time in Philadelphia he missed a foul shot uh, during that game and the players stopped and listened to the crowd and how loud they were just just over the idea of a rival a player and a really good player missing a foul shot I don't think anybody saw Trey Young being one of the breakout stars of this playoffs and and I to my point on this is mm. I've seen the Atlanta crowd go from, well, Atlanta fans are not, they're not, don't even really worry about them, to when they got back home, there was a clear advantage against the Knicks at home for Atlanta. They were, they were there to support their team. It, it actually livened them up seeing their team get booed and Trey Young get booed. 
I think the Atlanta crowd coming up in game three and game four are going to be wild. And I'm fascinated to see if it has the same effect on Philadelphia like it had on the Knicks in in the prior series. Okay, I think you're making a couple great points. One, McKenzie, look up Atlanta at home. I think they've won 14 straight. Take a gander. Let's get that exact number. Atlanta has a sneaky good, especially lately, run at home. Now, also, Trey Young, he had 21 points. Uh, last night, only the second time in the entire playoffs that Young himself went under his points prop. So uh, Young has been far exceeding expectations. He also has been getting a lot of attention from the crowd. I agree with that 100%. I think it's funny because I really think the Sixers have the defenders to stop a guy like Young. And we could say, well, he split out and went over the first game. They obviously exceeded expectations. Atlanta didn't the second game. Does that mean that Philly really is suited to stomp him? At least with the length on the perimeter, you would think maybe, maybe this is one of those to be determined. I also think, well, let's look at Atlanta at home, first of all. Mackenzie, you got that? Yeah, they've won 13 in a row, covering 11 of those games in a row at home. Think about that. 13 straight home victories, but the spread is supposed to even things out. Oh, they're favored by six. 11 and two against the spread at home with Atlanta. You're not hearing about Atlanta being so good at home. And the last thing I'm going to say about Young is the story was, and remember, he came out when Luka did, and he was involved in the trade that got Luka to Dallas. And there was always a sense, because Luka emerged so quickly, that Young was so secondary. And maybe he is the Luka, because Luka might be an all-timer. But Young was always kind of considered a shooter and selfish. And things came out about the teammates thinking he didn't pass. If you actually look at his assist stats and you look at his ability as a passer, he's he can pass. Yeah. And the question is, does he play defense? Is it, yeah, may Defense, yeah, he's not there yet. But Young is not just a running gunner. I think his game's more complex than that. Mackenzie, you watch more, you know, individual regular season games than me. Would you agree Young has gotten a bad break as just a shooter? Yeah, and I think a lot of that had to do with him taking, you know, Steph Curry-esque shots. Ever since Nate McMillan took over, a lot of people have been commenting he's a little bit slower, a little bit calmer, and slow, I think slow, it's, it's slower made a big difference. Not, slower as in he's not rushing things. Yeah. Yes, exactly. A little okay. bit more deliberate. And, and and that's another split that is worth looking at is pre and post McMillan. This is now you could say some players came back health wise, so this isn't an indictment of the former coach as much as this team with this coach is better than their season records. And all you can do in the NBA playoffs, or the key, is assess how much truth there is to the regular season stats. Because if there's a big difference between postseason and regular season, you got to figure out why. And I think with Atlanta, they're better than their... You know, New York and Atlanta had very comparable regular season stats. They were not the same team. Because New York probably exceeded expectations during the regular season. Atlanta, I think, fell short because the team in the second half of the year was a much, much better team. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about what happened in from the NBA, and it involves Giannis, 
it involves the NBA taking Giannis's side. This is very interesting. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. All right, last thing here, because I I don't have kids, but I've got nieces and nephews. Jonas, you've been around kids, I'm sure. Yes. You ever see where there's a kid that he'll get his attention, and then it's time for the next kid to get attention, and they say, hey, Johnny, go sit in the corner. And then there's a certain type of Johnny kid that every 10 seconds he'll pound on something or he'll drop his cup. Like he doesn't want anyone looking anywhere else. You know that kid? Yeah, I know that kid. So let's see. Yesterday LeBron puts out. I'm not, you know, I'm not making a connection here necessarily. An Instagram post that says, uh, you know, don't doubt me, blah blah blah. You know, you saw that, right? Uh, I, I don't follow him on Instagram. I well, I mean, it, it got a lot of attention, All right? And then today he's changing his number. Like, why is he changing his number in the middle of the play? Do they have any other games to play this playoffs? No, he's, I mean, he's got to get a head start on things. Really? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Somehow I think <laughs> that they could get the production on those jerseys ready for next November. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, but listen, LeBron's not self-interested or self-involved. Who are we kidding? When we come back, we are going to get into this Giannis situation. We speculated yesterday that it's the NBA players, American-born versus a European mentality. Maybe there's a conflict where the NBA has stepped in on the side of the European players to protect them from being ridiculed. Yes, we'll get to that. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And RJ, we've got ourselves a situation in the NBA uh, as being reported on by Anthony Puccio of Front Office Sports that the NBA has asked the Brooklyn Nets to stop with using a shot clock countdown for free throw attempts for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Obviously, Giannis known for his struggles at the line and also the amount of time he takes to for his free throws. Uh, but the NBA has asked them to sort of cut that out moving forward okay so last segment we talked about the little kid who likes attention and he gets put in the corner and then right at, and then but he keeps banging the pots because he wants attention and then right after we talked about lebron and his number change now some people might think there's a connection there that's up to you that's you making the connection <laughs> now it seems like we can extend this idea of kids and authority figures because there was always that kid who, no matter what, wasn't really popular with the other kids. So he'd run over and say, teacher, teacher, Jonas is making fun of my haircut or whatever Jonas was doing mean to the kids because he was kind of a bully. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? The, what would that authority figure do? Come over and go, Jonas, don't do this to Mackenzie. Mackenzie's hair is just fine. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yesterday we were saying, isn't it interesting that the uh, Joker wins the MVP 
And then you've got Giannis, who won two straight MVPs, and it's like European style of play. And then who do the best NBA players, American born, with a domestic game, let's say? Because I don't think it's really where you're born as much as the style of the game. And Harden, problems with Giannis. And then through some reporting, it looked like Durant was being critical of Giannis. And I speculated, man, it seems like a battle between styles of play. Now, isn't it interesting? Giannis, the European, needs the NBA to step in because what were they doing? They actually put a countdown timer. So think about this. Giannis goes to the free throw line. He gets handed the ball. At that point, he's supposed to have by rule by rule, 10 seconds to shoot. So it seems like the arena, the Brooklyn arena, putting up a 10-second countdown and having it go 9, 8, 7. Not, not any uh, you know, um, audio, just you know, the image of the uh, seconds counting down. That feels kind of legitimate. Let me see. He's got 10 seconds. Oh, look, they're counting it down. I mean, it does seem like a home court advantage, but that's what you're supposed to have. Now, the funny thing is, in the prior series, the crowd was counting down, but they were fast counting with Miami. So it'd be like 10, 9, 8. So now Giannis is thinking, wait a minute, am I really at 3 or is there more time? And the fact he's thinking about it, you could see that being psychologically troublesome. Now, but here's what's interesting. Couldn't the case be made that Brooklyn said, well, we know Miami's fans did that. There's a chance the Brooklyn fans are going to do that. So we're going to put up an objective measure of his time so he's not confused. So you can make the case it was helping him because if the crowd's going <laughs> four, three, two, but the real clock is saying six, five. It might, you know, I don't know if it helped him or not, but you could make the case. But the NBA says, no, you're not allowed doing that. Tisk, tisk. I don't think this is a good look for Giannis at all. What do you oh, think, Jazz? Well, I, I also don't think that this spells well because now they've drawn so much attention to it that every single uh, arena he goes into on the road, they're all going to be counting down. It's now turned well, into a Well, this is going to be the last arena, I think, for a while. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but maybe, maybe. All right, we got one game tonight. Yeah, and the game tonight is the Nuggets at the Suns. It is game two of that series. Phoenix with a one nothing series lead. And right now on pregame.com, Phoenix is a five-point favorite. Okay, so think about this now. Home court's worth about two. The zigzag says advantage Denver. So game one, the line was McKenzie? Five and a half for the Suns. Okay, so this is an example where the line has dropped a little bit, which is what the zigzag is supposed to do. But it just shows you unequivocally that Phoenix is considered to be the much, much better team. If you look if you look at the series price, Phoenix is about 80% to win the series, minus 430, and the Nuggets are about plus 350. Uh, to me, it's about Aiden. Is He's been playing great defense generally, foul trouble and if you're watching the game is if uh, DeAndre Ayton's able to be in the game for you know 38 40 minutes I like Phoenix if he's not I don't I know we don't know if it's going to happen so I don't have a big opinion on the game itself but I think that key will be the ability to guard the MVP Joker 
If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We will take a closer look as to what game one between the Jazz and the Clippers really meant for that series moving forward. Uh, We are straight out of Vegas. We will be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, for a look back on game two between the Suns and the Nuggets and a look ahead at the remaining games in the NBA on Thursday evening. That's 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here here on Fox Sports Radio and as always on the iHeartRadio app. Right out of Vegas! 